Mother's Day, and we want to celebrate all the moms who are with us today, whether you're in person or watching online. That's certainly a fun way to get rolling today. For all you dads and for all you kids who are out there, I want you to know it is still not too late to get mom what she really wants for Mother's Day. See, there, there are a lot of dads right now and a lot of kids right now who get nervous because they're thinking last minute, man, I haven't got mom anything for Mother's Day. And yet I ran across this survey this last week, and it was eye-opening to see what do moms really want for Mother's Day. And so you can see in the bottom left there, you've got all kinds of traditional things that you would think mom wants for Mother's Day, right? You would think flowers would be on the list. But, but to my surprise, I read the survey, and it did not appear on the list. I was like, okay. And so I jumped down to candy and I read about candy. And guess what? It did not appear on the list. Like, like moms are not sitting around going, man, I absolutely want candy for Mother's Day. I looked at poetry written in their honor, didn't make the list. Breakfast in bed didn't even make the list. But there was one thing that made the list. Any guesses on what it is? Sleep, that's right. And so that's why I tell you guys, it's not too late to give her what she really wants because what she really wants is for you to leave, okay? Not forever, but maybe for a couple of hours, okay? And so give her what she really wants. To all you moms out there, we're so thankful for you, for the impact that you have on your family, for the way that you actually have an indirect impact on the community that we live in. Moms are certainly to be celebrated today. If you have not been with us in the last couple of weeks, we have been in this series where we're just asking one really simple question, and it's what is God's will for my life? The Apostle Paul is talking about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, Then he deviates and gets into some other topics in the last half of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, but then at the very end of the chapter, the very end of the book, he comes back to it again in verses 16 17 and 18, and this is what he said. He wrote and said, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so, what we're learning together over the course of this series is that God has a will for your life, He's got a plan for your life. And there are a lot of people who kind of want the answer to this question, but they're thinking that God is going to tell me what career I'm supposed to have, what city I'm supposed to live in, what car I'm supposed to buy, what college I'm supposed to attend. And yet when the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christian community in Thessalonica, he's saying, yes, God has a will for your life, but he's not addressing any of those issues because... God is far more concerned about the kind of person you become than he is about the kind of life that you experience. And I really want you to hear that. God is far more concerned about the kind of person that you become than he is about the kinds of things that you experience. And so last week we looked in verse 16 and he really said that it's God's will for your life to be the kind of person who rejoices always. And so we spent a lot of time talking about how you cannot discover joy in the world, but you can develop joy in your life just like Jesus did. This week I want to take you into verse 17 where the Apostle Paul simply says, pray continually. It's one of the shortest verses in the, in the entire Bible. But when you think about God's will for your life, God's will for your life is for you to become the kind of person where you pray 
continually. Now, there might be some of you who are thinking to yourself, really, we're going to spend like 30 minutes, 35 minutes just talking about two words, pray continually? And the answer is yes, because prayer is really, really important, but prayer is also something that almost all of us really, really struggle with in our lives. And if you don't believe me, just look at movies, okay? Because there's some pretty pathetic examples of people praying in movies that we've seen. So anybody remember Aunt Bethany in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Come on now. You remember that movie? There they are, and they say, Aunt Bethany, they want you to say the blessing. But instead of saying the blessing, what does she do? She busts out into the Pledge of Allegiance. And so Cousin Eddie says, let's just roll with it. And so he stands and puts his hand over his heart, and they end up saying the Pledge of Allegiance before the meal, right? Or how about the Ben Stiller movie? Anybody see Meet the Parents, right? Where where there he is, and his father-in-law is like putting him on the spot and just wanting to see what kind of guy is this guy that's trying to marry my daughter. And so he busts out and says the blessing. What, What does he say in the blessing? Do you remember? God, help us to see you more clearly, help us to love you more dearly, and help us to follow you more nearly. And like, that's the best he can come up with, right? And so he says this fairly pathetic prayer. Or, or how about Ricky Bobby? Anybody? Come on now, right? <laughs> like we're just praying a little baby Jesus, right? Like here, that's how we do it, right? And yet some of us, we look at that and we kind of think, man, that's funny, But in some ways, that kind of feels like our prayer lives, right? Our prayer lives may be a little bit shallow. We try to pray and we don't really know what we should be saying. And so I'm not saying that you don't ever pray. But what I am suggesting today is that there are a lot of us who have a tendency. And our tendency is to only pray when everything is falling apart. Come on, be honest with me, be honest with yourself. How many of you, your prayer life gets better when your life gets worse? Raise your hand, let me see it. Okay, so, so a lot of us. Now, maybe some of you, you're like, know what? Jeremy Hall, my executive pastor said, my prayer life is great when everything is great. But when things start falling apart, like I'm going into problem-solving mode and I get really busy doing that and my prayer life actually struggles when things are falling apart. And so we're all over the place. But, but I think the human tendency for us is to spend a lot of time in reactive prayer rather than in this thing maybe called proactive prayer. And I just want to suggest to you that some of us, we pray when things fall apart, but maybe things fall apart because we're not praying. That there are some situations in our life that that we could have avoided. There are some problems that we could have missed out on. There are some things that we struggle with in life that we didn't have to struggle with in life if we had been the kind of people where we understood that we are called to pray continually for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. Now, I think that when I look at these words, pray continually, there are several different thoughts that we need to explore together this morning. And so I want to start here. Some Bible translations, when they go to translate the Greek into the English, some translate this short verse in these words, pray continually. And some, they, they translate this verse to where they say, pray without ceasing. And so that has a slightly different vibe and maybe even a slightly different meaning to it. And so when you say pray without ceasing, what you really are saying is that you should pray and you should never stop praying, okay? And yet, 
there are a lot of people in the world who have stopped praying because they have stopped believing in the power of prayer. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe you used to be the kind of person who prayed on a fairly regular basis. Maybe you used to pray about something in a very specific way. But you couldn't see how your prayers were making a difference in the situation. You couldn't see that it was actually affecting an outcome in any way. And so you stopped praying. It may have been a conscious decision to say, I'm just not going to waste my time anymore. It may have been one of these things that was subconscious or even gradual. You just kind of found yourself drifting away from the practice of prayer. Either way, because you couldn't figure out how prayer was making a real difference. And so let me point something out to you, okay? Prayer will not change every situation. But failing to pray will never change any situation. You know that, right? Prayer will not change every situation in your life. But if you say, I'm done praying, and and you cease to pray, then your unwillingness to pray will never change any situation in your life. And so when I was 12 years old, I could hear my parents fighting down the hall almost every night. When I was 12 years old, I could hear the conversations about divorce from my bedroom. And so at the age of 12 years old, I prayed about my parents' marriage in a way that I had never prayed about anything before in my life. And those prayers did not seem to affect the outcome of that situation. My parents got divorced anyway. And I'm going to tell you that for many years in my life, That experience affected the way that I felt about prayer, and it affected the way that I thought about prayer. It made me feel a little bit like, man, is this a waste of time? But over the course of the last 30 years of my life and my faith journey, God has brought me back to this lesson that prayer will not change every situation in your life, Brandon. But but failing to pray is never going to change any situation in your life. And so what did James, the brother of Jesus, say in his short New Testament letter? He said that some of you, you don't have things because you haven't asked for things. You don't see God working in your life because you haven't asked God to work in your life. You don't see God working on your behalf in a situation because you haven't asked God to work on your behalf in a particular situation. And so Paul's coming along and Paul's saying, pray without ceasing. He's saying, don't ever stop praying. Don't ever stop believing in the power of prayer for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so prayer doesn't change every situation, but I want you to understand what prayer does do. Prayer unlocks the power of God and unleashes the power of God in our world, in our lives, and in our situations. And I need you to understand this. See, prayer is the difference between you doing everything that you can do and God doing everything that God can do. So when you're struggling in your character, you can say, I'm not going to pray about that. I'm not going to pray about the kind of person that I'm becoming. I'm not going to pray about my struggles with a particular sin. And you can just go ahead and you can do all that you can do. 
Or you can pray about it and you can ask God to do all that he can do on your behalf, right? You may be having problems at work. You may be having problems at marriage, in your marriage. You may be having problems with your children and seeing them walk with Jesus Christ and love Jesus and live a character of Jesus. And you can do all that you can by yourself or you can pray about it and you can say prayer is the difference between me doing everything that I can do and God doing everything that he can do. And so prayer unlocks the power of God in your life. And I want you to understand that. So when the power of God gets released, let me tell you, one of three things is going to happen. Sometimes prayer will change the situation for you. So you're there today and you're a mom and you're grieving over kind of some things that your kids have gotten involved in. Maybe you see them hanging around with people they don't need to hang around with, or maybe you seeing them develop addictions that you don't want them to have. Maybe you see them drifting in places you don't want them to go. And so you pray and sometimes Prayer will change the situation. God will go to work. God will draw them back. God will put people in their life and you will see how prayer is affecting the outcome. Prayer will change the situation for you. But sometimes that's not what prayer does for you. Sometimes prayer will change you so that you can handle the situation. So the kids aren't going to come back to the Lord. The kids are going to wonder a little longer. The kids are going to struggle with sin. The kids aren't going to break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. They are going to have doubts in their faith. And sometimes what prayer does is it doesn't change them. Sometimes prayer changes you. And then third, sometimes prayer will change the way that you view the situation, right? So my wife was having a conversation with a lady in our church and she was talking about this season when her kids were not living their lives for Jesus. They were not taking their relationship with Jesus very seriously at all. And she was praying about her kids. And finally, she had a conversation with her pastor and she sat down with her pastor at another church. It wasn't me. And the pastor said, I'm going to give you some perspective that you need right now as you deal with these kids. You need to remember that there once upon a time was a perfect father who put his kids in a perfect place and those kids still chose to sin. You are not a perfect parent and this world is not a perfect place and yet your kids are are probably going to sin just like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. And she said, man, that perspective immediately changed the perspective that she had as she dealt with her kids who were struggling in their own faith with Jesus Christ. And she looked at my wife and she said, do you see how the truth can set you free. So when Jesus says the truth can set you free, that's the kind of thing that he's talking about. It has the ability to literally change your perspective and the way that you view the situation. And so we keep on praying. We don't ever stop praying because prayer unlocks or it unleashes the power of God in our lives. Sometimes it changes you. Sometimes it changes your situation. And sometimes it changes your perspective of the situation. But there's something else that prayer will do for you that I don't want you to miss today. Prayer doesn't just unleash the power of God. Prayer ushers us into the presence of God. And that's where we need to live our lives. 
You can live all of your life in this world and not really spend much time at all up in the presence of God. But when you start praying continually, it doesn't just unleash or unlock the power of God in your life and in your situation, but prayer ushers you into the presence of God. And when you get into the presence of God, great things happen. There's an opportunity for you to hear from God, and there's an opportunity there for God to talk to you. And so I'll say it like this. God loves to spend time with his kids, but God also knows that it is good for his kids to spend time with him. You may not be thinking about it like that. You may just think that prayer is God just wanting to hear from his kids, but you need to know that that prayer is a way for you to get into the presence of God because God knows that you need to be spending quality time with him as you live in this world. So my daughter went away to college this last year for the very first time. She's out there on her own. She is making her own decisions. She is establishing the kind of life that she will live for better or for worse. And what I learned throughout the year is that prayer was actually good for both of us. And so when my daughter would call, I would see her pretty little face on my cell phone. And guess what I would do? I would answer the phone. It didn't matter what I was doing. It didn't really matter what meeting I was in. It didn't matter how busy I was. Why? Because I love her. I miss her. I want to talk with her. I want to cultivate and develop a relationship with her. So I was dropping everything so that I could pick up the phone and talk to her. But listen, it wasn't just good for me, the father who loves her. It was good for my daughter to spend time with me. And you know this. I mean, think about a college student out there on their own for the very first time. They're enjoying or experiencing a kind of freedom that they have never had before. There are new people and new influences in their life. And so what does she need? She needs to stay grounded. She needs a healthy perspective. And so it's not just good for me to have those conversations. It's good for her to come into the presence of her father. And the same is true in your life, in your relationship with God. God loves spending time with you. But make no mistake about it. It is good for you to spend time with him. It's good for you to be in his presence because that's the goal of prayer. The goal of prayer is to take you into the presence of God. John Ortberg actually talks about the goal of prayer. This is how he says it. He says, the goal of prayer is to live all of my life and speak all of my words in the joyful awareness of the presence of God. Prayer becomes real when we grasp the reality and goodness of God's constant presence with the real me. You see, when you get into the presence of God and you're being real with him, then you have an opportunity to gain his perspective. You have an opportunity to grow from his wisdom. You have an opportunity to receive his encouragement. You have an opportunity to receive his instruction for your life. And this is what we need. In fact, a lot of you, if you play sports or maybe you played sports back in the glory days, as Bruce Springsteen used to talk about, right? You, you know the importance of spending time with your coach, right? When you're spending time with your coach on a regular basis, then what ends up happening is they keep you on the right track. But when you stop spending time with your coach, what happens? 
You start to develop bad habits. Your swing gets jacked up and you start making all kinds of mistakes. So my son plays golf. He's got this awesome golf coach. His name is Coach Chris. The more time he spends with Coach Chris, the tighter and the better his swing really is. But when he doesn't spend a lot of time with Coach Chris, he starts developing some bad habits. His swing gets a little off. He starts hooking it into the woods. He starts slicing it into those woods. Like his game gets off. Why? Because he hasn't spent time in the presence of the pro. But when he gets into the presence of the pro, the pro can do two things for him. He can help him see the problem quickly and he can help him solve and fix the problem quickly. And this is why we've got to get into the presence of God. See, some of you right now, you're struggling and you're wondering why are certain relationships in my life falling apart? You don't know the answer. Some of you are wondering, why aren't things going well at work? Some of you are going, why are my kids doing what I'm doing? And what God wants to do is he wants you to get into his presence so that he can help you see the problem clearly and fix the problem quickly. And that's what praying continually does for us, is it unlocks or it unleashes the power of God and it gets us into the presence of God. There's a guy named Dallas Willard who spends a lot of time actually talking about the importance of being and living all of life in the presence of God. He writes about it in his book, The Great Omission, and this is what he said about it. He said, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. We get caught up in the things of this world. We're not thinking about God the way that we should. But he says this, these are habits, not the law of gravity. They can be broken. And then he says this, soon our minds will return to God. I love this image as a needle of a compass constantly is pointing back to the north, no matter how the compass is moved. Now think about your prayer life for just a minute. Have you ever sat down in a peaceful, quiet place and you've tried to pray and you notice that your mind starts running in a million different directions, right? You're praying for your kids, and the next thing you're trying to figure out how to get tickets to the basketball game or the football game. You're like, what happened, man? Like I was trying to pray. It's because you, when you haven't prayed continually, our minds have a tendency to drift in all different directions. But when we get in the habit of praying continually, what we're doing is we're training our minds. To, to be like the needle of a compass that is constantly always pointing back to the north regardless of how the compass is being moved. And this is what God wants in your life. He wants you to develop a prayer life that just constantly keeps you coming back to him. So in the midst of making really big decisions, in the midst of dealing with major temptations, when you find yourself navigating some of the most difficult seasons, you need to be praying continually so that you don't spend all of your days worrying about things you were never intended to worry about. 
or thinking about things that you were never supposed to be thinking about. So we pray and we keep on praying because it brings us into the presence of God. And this is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. King David, Old Testament guy, greatest king of God's people that has ever lived. He was so good at this, which I think is why God would say of King David that he was a man who was after my own heart. He was always chasing after God. So David wrote about it. Psalm chapter 16, verses eight and nine. He said, I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. And so I want you to hear what David's saying. David says that I spend all of my life in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is always before me. And because of that, he says, I am not easily moved. I don't drift into places I have no business drifting into. I don't chase after temptations the way a lot of people chase after temptations. My faith doesn't crumble. I stand strong regardless of what life is throwing at me. And then he says that because of that, his heart is glad and his soul rejoices. He experiences real happiness and real joy. And he says, and because of all that, my body rests secure. He was a rock solid man because he knew how to be in two places at the exact same time. You do know that you can be in two places at the exact same time, right? You can be in a business meeting and you can be in the presence of God at the exact same time. You can be sitting in that business meeting going, God, I don't know the future, but you know the future. I don't know how we're going to, to take ourselves out of this nosedive and make things go up and to the right. But God, I know that you know the way and I need you to help me see the way. You can be in a business meeting and be in the presence of God at the exact same time. You can be on a date and you can be in the presence of God at the exact same time, which is where you need to be if you're on a date, if you know what I'm saying, right? Right? You need to be in the presence of God when you're on that date, right? You don't need to check out from God and go do your own thing and then check back in with him at a later time. You've got to be in the presence of God. You can be in the locker room, in the classroom, or in the dorm room and be in the presence of God at the exact same time. You can be doing diapers or doing dishes and be in the presence of God at the exact same time. The problem is that we don't go into the presence of God because we underestimate just how much we really need the power of God and just how much we really need to be in the presence of God. Because all of your life, people have taught you to be independent. And because you've lived this life of independence, it becomes really, really hard for you to understand your dependence on God. So your parents, they thought they were doing you a favor when they raised you to be strong and independent. And yet what they were doing in an in a innocent way is they were probably teaching you a life that ignores your great need for God. Right? Bill Hybels talks about this and how it's crept into the American culture in his book, Too Busy Not to Pray. This is what he said. He said, prayer is an unnatural activity. I need you to know that. 
I know you struggle to pray because it's not natural for any of us who have grown up in an America where we were taught to be strong and independent. And so he says, prayer is an unnatural activity from birth. We have been learning the rules of self-reliance as we strain and struggle to achieve self-sufficiency. Prayer, therefore, flies in the face of those deep-seated values. It is an assault on human autonomy, an indictment on independent living. To people in the fast lane, that's you, that's me, we're determined to make it on our own. Prayer is an embarrassing interruption. And this right here is why it's so hard for us to pray at all, much less pray all the time or or pray continually. It goes against everything that we've ever been taught in the world. We are people, we are creatures who were raised to be self-sufficient. And so when your parents were raising you to be strong and independent, when your parents taught you, the Lord helps those who help themselves. I mean, that's in the Bible, right? No, that's not in the Bible. That was a trick question, right? In fact, that's the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we all need to understand just how dependent we really are on our Creator and on our God. We need to understand it and we need to admit it. And that's why I just want to say to you today that we need to be in the presence of God more and more and we need His power more. Therefore, we need to be praying a whole lot more. And so that's what I want to do as we wrap up our service. I I do not just want to spend 30 minutes talking to you about how important prayer is and then walk out of here without praying, right? I I want us to actually spend some time in the last 10 minutes praying together. And so I'm going to ask the band to come out. Wes is going to come out with a couple of his teammates, and I'm going to ask my wife to come up on the stage with me. I know that for a lot of you, you struggle with prayer, and, and that's why I want to help you with it. I just want us to be able to spend some time because my fear is that some of you have allowed some circumstances in your life to become in between you and God. And what you really need in your life is for God to get in between you and your circumstances. You you need to be in the presence of God and you need the power of God to be at work in your life. And so the band is going to sing a song and it's called, Lord, I need you. Now, I asked them to sing this song, not because I want us to sing it together, but because I want it to guide us in the way that we pray together. See, this song doesn't just say, Lord, I need you. It says, every hour, I need you. I I know you're independent. I I know you've got this self-reliant streak inside of you, just like I do. But, But we are dependent upon God, every hour of our lives, we should understand and even admit just how dependent we really are on him. And so I'm just going to ask you to stay seated. I'm going to ask you to enter into a state of prayer. If that means bowing your head and closing your eyes, if that works for you, do that. If you want to keep your eyes open and pray, guess what? The Bible doesn't forbid that. So you can do that. Okay. We're just going to let you pray in a way that makes you feel really, really comfortable. But we're going to guide you in the process of praying. And so let's just enter into a spirit of prayer together. And let's also understand that right now we're entering into the presence of God together, which is a really special place. And so God, we just thank you 
that we can come into your presence. We thank you that at the moment Jesus died on the cross, the curtain in the temple was literally torn in two from top to bottom so that we could have access into your presence because of what Jesus has done for us. Because he has forgiven our sins. God, he has made a way for us to come into your presence. And so we thank you for that opportunity. And we just ask God that right now, this be a very special time. We ask God that you unleash and unlock your power in our lives and in our situations. We invite you to go to work right here, right now. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here. God, I know that we started the service by joking around about how moms just need sleep. God, the truth is that we're tired because we run at a breakneck pace in this world. And so God, I wanna just thank you for being a God who established a weekly rhythm of rest. I wanna thank you for being a God who understands our needs and who said, hey, I I wanna give you a gift every seven days for the rest of your life, where you can have one day that is all about worship and it's all about rest for your soul. God, I pray that we would not only be aware of this thing called the Sabbath, but I pray that we would be a people who practice it and who find rest like David did because we've been in your presence and because we've enjoyed your blessings on our lives like the Sabbath. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one who guides my heart. Father God, your word says that when we trust in you with all our hearts and in all our ways acknowledge you, that you would make our path straight. And Father, I just pray right now. I think a lot of times we ask for guidance, but we're not really acknowledging all our ways. And so I just pray, Father, that as we're seeking your face and decisions and, and such, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would um, help us to acknowledge all our ways before you, Lord. You God, I, I believe that a lot of us have grown up in churches where we were taught to believe in Jesus, but we didn't hear a lot about following Jesus. And so, God, I just echo what Steph is saying, that that we would be a people who are following Jesus. We're acknowledging you in everything that we say. We're acknowledging you in everything that we do. We are living all of our lives in the presence of our God. And and I just pray, God, that as we do that, that we would understand and see in a fresh and clear way just how you are capable of guiding our lives. God, many of us are, are, are in desperate need of direction right now. We're making big decisions many of us feel lost along the way. And so God, we just ask that you would guide us in the decisions that we're making that affect us, that affect a lot of other people around us. I pray God that your sheep would know your voice and that we would not just believe in you, 
but that we would follow you. Oh Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. Dear Father, the older I get, the more I realize how much I desperately need you. Father, I feel like we all could say that, Lord. Father, we need you for the things we don't even know. Lord, help us to remember that there is a spiritual war going on around us. There is an invisible thing. And God, we need your presence in our life, not just for the tangible things we see, but for the unseen, Lord. God, I pray that you would just increase our awareness of how much we really need you in our lives. God, I think about all the balls that I've got juggling in the air with things at work and things going on with each member of my family. Think about my own struggles. I think about what's happening with all the responsibilities that I have with the house and the cars and keeping up with life. So God, it's hard when we start thinking about everything that we've got going on. And so God, I just pray that there would be this awareness that we would have, that we would understand that we really are too busy not to pray. And so God, help us to to understand and be aware of just how much we really need you in our lives. Not just every day, but literally every single hour. Where sin runs deep, Grace is more where grace is found is where you are and where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me Father God we are just so thankful for your grace Lord that there is freedom there in our brokenness in our bondage thank you that your grace is sufficient in all of our weakness in our need Lord your mercies are new every day God I want to pray for those who may not know your grace today God I pray that they would understand that yes they may have blown it they may have skeletons in their closet secrets that they don't want anyone to know about but I pray God that they would know today that Jesus came into the world to die on a cross so that you would punish your own son instead of punishing us so that you could give us grace and you could give it to us freely simply because we put our faith in your son Jesus and so God For those who may need hope today, for for those who may need your grace and your mercy, and they've never received it before, I pray that they would simply put their faith in Jesus and that they would be able to rest in your grace. Yes, sin may run deep in our lives, but your grace is even greater and it is sufficient for us. May we know that and may we rest in that today. Lord, I need you. My one defense, my right.
righteousness, oh God, how I need you, and teach my song to rise to you, when temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Father, we are weak. We are weak, broken people, Lord. And I know for myself, Lord, that a lot of times temptation starts in my mind. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, for all of us in the room, when we start thinking, thinking too long and too much about something not right, God, I pray that we can take that thought captive that we could take it to you, Lord. Father, I think just help us remember to stay in the presence of you. When we are praying continually, that temptation doesn't go very far. God, your word tells us that no temptation has seized us except what is common to man and that you have provided a way of escape from it so that we can stand up under it. And so God, I just pray that as we face the reality of temptation in our own lives, I pray, God, that we would see the way out of temptation rather than looking for ways into it. And so, God, give us that change of perspective so that we may walk with you more closely all the days of our lives. Oh, Lord, I need you. power and we need your presence in our lives and we just confess and admit that to you i pray that that thought would linger in the minds and the hearts of your people as we leave and we pray it all in jesus name amen